steps into it. Pass is caught. Diggs! Sideline! Touchdown! to the Unbelievable Podcast. I am BJ Rydell, back here with my guy, Drew Mahold. And today, well, we're going to take start taking a look at some upcoming training camp battles, uh, specifically the positions on offense for your Minnesota Vikings. Um, obviously, there's a big signing this week. Well, I guess relative to July, it's a big signing, I suppose. And that's uh, bringing in wide receiver D.D. Westbrook. Uh, that, of course, bleeds right into our conversation here today and how the Vikings will approach that wide receiver three position that Drew has been harping on for what two months now or so something like that long time i mean this is actually probably during the digs and dealing days so i mean it's been a problem for a while now so we're gonna go a little bit more in depth on that drew will finally have his shot to kind of break down um what issues he has with that spot on the vikings roster and how it could affect them down the road um and if we get to it we'll also talk and talk about some aaron Rodgers stuff as well i mean Again, we've been saying it for the last couple podcasts, of course, he's not on the Vikings roster, but he's somehow influencing everything that the Vikings are going to be doing for probably not just this year, but also the future years to come based off of what he, you know, apparently is planning on doing here, according to Adam Schefter. So that's the game plan for today's show. Um, let's get it started here right away. Uh Start. Let's start with that wide receiver position, just because, of course, D.D. Westbrook is the main news mm-hmm. here as of July 26th. Um, again, not a whole lot happening during the summer. Some of these signings towards like the very beginning of training camp, uh, you have to be a little bit skeptical. But this feels like a good one. I mean, I feel I'm excited about this signing. Um, I, I I want to temper my optimism a little bit because I got really excited about Tajay Sharp last year. And we know how that turned into about what three targets and one catch. Right. So uh, I think DD Westbrook's a different player though, and I think he adds different dimensions that are immediately, in, you know, have can have a high impact on what the Vikings are going to try to do in 2021. Yeah, it is kind of the cycle, right, where the Vikings sign some receiver to, uh, I mean, not a not a big name receiver per se, but somebody that's recognizable and is kind of expected to come in and, and fill a role, and that guy generally it kind of doesn't pan out. Um, it's sort of been this theme over the years. Um, whether you go Mike Wallace, uh, kind of more in the past, and more recently, obviously, Tajay Sharp from last year is kind of the more recent example. But uh, a couple of reasons you have to like D.D. Westbrook. Uh, you know, first, Keenan McCardell, uh, that kind of connection there. Of course. Uh, the new receiver coach from the Minnesota Vikings, D.D. Westbrook played for him back in Jacksonville. Um, and so there's obviously some familiarity there, and you'd think it'd be pretty seamless for the for a uh, you know, the transition for a guy being on a different team, but having the same position coach, that's got to be a really nice uh, move. And, you know, obviously they, Didi was comfortable with it based on his social media uh, postings and whatnot, that he kind of wanted to be in Minnesota. Uh, McKean and kind of persuaded him and the Vikings didn't really let him leave to go visit another team without uh, a deal. So um, obviously there's, uh, you know, both sides wanted this to happen. And number two, I think what I like the best too, is that, um, you know, he can play a lot of slot. Um, I think what was it, 70, 80% or something of the snaps in Jacksonville were from the slot, which I like because you can get Thielen outside, Jefferson outside, and then Westbrook can be sort of the 
the guy in three receiver sets in the slot if you want to go that route. Um, so I think this really puts a target on Chad Beebe's back a little bit um, because that's kind of the, you know, he that's sort of his specialty slot, the slot type guy. Um, and so in camp, I think he's got a lot to prove if he's going to make this roster now because of this move. Um, so, you know, I love the move in the sense that it had to be addressed. You could not go into training camp with your number three receiver being BC Johnson or Chad Beebe or whoever else it would. You had to pick someone else, at least with some experience. D.D. Westbrook is that guy. Um, the, the familiarity with Keenan Cardell, it just made a ton of sense. Absolutely. So, you know, from a wide receiver sense alone, uh, it seems like it's pretty solid pickup, right? D.D. Uh, Westbrook, of course, did not play much in 2020. Two games on the stat book last year. He tore his ACL. Mm-hmm. Uh, that has to be a concern, right? I mean, he did. Uh, there's no good time to tear an ACL, of course, but he did tear it early on in the season. You have to expect that progress has been made. You know, if you think about the progression that Joe Burrow has made already, and he's expected to be starting the team with training camp, I feel like the Vikings wouldn't have made this move without feeling fully comfortable with his situation in his knee right now. Now, that being said, I think that there's still reason to be somewhat concerned. Uh, It's a lot easier to re-injure your ACL for one. Just that's one thing. Um, number two, this is a guy who has made a living, whether it was at Oklahoma as a college playmaker or in the NFL with the Jacksonville Jaguars is a guy who is great with the ball in his hands, right? Uh, eluding defenders, getting around players, making moves, you know, making plays with his eyes, um, has been a a return guy before too, I believe. Exactly. And that's what I was going to get to as well. But my point being here is that a knee injury can affect a skill player of that nature a lot more than it may affect someone who doesn't need to put as much, you know, strain on their knee. Uh, D.D. Westbrook is a guy who's going to be attempting to be elusive. Uh, He's going to be attempting to, you know, he's going to be one of those guys that actually runs a 40-yard dash in the NFL because he will run that nine route. And most importantly, like kind of what Drew just said is, if nothing else with this player, you're probably getting your starting punt returner for 16 games, assuming his health holds up. Because the Vikings have not been able to catch anything in terms of you know punting the punt returns last what basically since Marcus Sherrill's left the Vikings have had issues with fumbling the football. Uh, this gives you a secure player to put back there that also gives you some explosiveness as well. This is a guy who has scored on punt returns. Um, this is a guy who you know it you know has been dangerous since he was 18 basically uh, and with the ball in his hand. So for those reasons, it's a huge signing, especially relative to the contract value. He's not breaking the cap for this guy, and it's basically a one-year like let's see if this works situation. Um, it makes a lot of sense, and and then you just have to throw in what Drew was saying before and how he blends in with Jefferson and Thielen as well. You can mix and match your your targets now. You can move all these guys around the formation. Um, you could do different things in the slot. Hey, you can you can you know put Didi there eighty percent of the time is if you want, but you can also try to get mismatches with Adam Thielen. We've seen him work extremely well on the slot, and we've seen Justin Jefferson play well from there as well. So it gives you more versatility. It gives you more concepts that you can use. It it opens up the playbook even more. And this guy to me is a he's like Cordell Patterson, not quite the burst of electricity that Patterson is, but much more fundamentally sound. I expect DD Westbrook to be able to get open on one-on-one coverage. Whereas with Patterson, we had to manufacture touches for the guy. He's like that type of player in terms of being able to manufacture touches for him, but he can also get open on his own as well. So I think that this looks like a really good move, but again, I, you have to temper some level of your expectation 
because this is happening in the middle at the end of July when the Vikings have a direct need. And like you said, you couldn't go into training camp with the fight between Chad Beebe and BC Johnson for that yeah. number three spot. Now you have a true competitor, a guy who has worked with Keenan McCardell, as you said, and also a guy who brings you know a vast knowledge of how to play the position in a different way from a different organization. You know, he's had multiple you know seasons over 500 receiving yards. I'm not saying that this guy is going to break the, you know, he's not going to break any records, but over 500 receiving yards in multiple consecutive seasons in the NFL, that's an accomplishment and something that you can work with, especially as a number three wide receiver. Right. I mean, that's a, a solid number three receiver output, especially for a team like the Vikings that um, I, I still think even with the signing, they'll probably be in that, you know, uh, two receiver personnel quite a bit. Uh, I would imagine it's still going to be a lot of Mike Zimmer likes to run the ball and, and whatnot. And so um, I will say too, though, that, you know, we should also not forget about Amir Smith-Marset too, which I think he almost has a better chance to be a contributor than like BB now. Um, Cause he's got that explosiveness out of Iowa and he can be more of a turn guy too. So um, I think the Vikings are, you know, not, you know, I, I still have concerns about the depth, but it's certainly a lot better just by adding this guy that has experience that has, um, you know, the, the, the pedigree, like you said, at 500 yards a couple times, and he just has that experience that, you know, the BC Johnson doesn't, that Chad Beebe doesn't, um, and the guy that you can rely on if needed on third down and five or six, and they're, you know, the, the opposing defense is bracketing both Jefferson and Thielen. You got, okay, now I, I have to trust my third guy in the slot to win against the slot cornerback. D.D. Westbrook certainly gives you a better chance than anybody else on the roster. So last thing here on D.D. Westbrook, too, is just you have to kind of – if and for those of you, and I'm sure there's most of our listeners out there, um, watched him play to some degree you know, at Oklahoma in 2016. He put up 1,500 yards, had 17 touchdowns, total of 1,600 scrimmage yards. Like, this guy was electric in college football. I, I feel like when you're – if you're going to gamble on someone, gamble on someone who's done it before at – at a very high level. And I granted, yes, this is college. It's different from the NFL, um, but Oklahoma, also big 12. Yeah. I was going <laughs> to fair point, but you know, I think that when you, when you look at the body of work from DD Westbrook, it there's reason for optimism with the signing. Whereas maybe last year when we were talking about Tajay Sharp, we were trying to find reasons for optimism. Um, I think it's a little bit dis- different situation here. I hope, I think this, you know, hopefully will work out at least, as you know, from a return standpoint, will be a huge benefit to the Vikings roster. But I am interested in that wide receiver battle a lot more now uh, because yeah. of his presence. So let's dive into that a little bit more here. Obviously, Jefferson and Adam Thielen are your 1A and 1B. That's not changing. Uh, nothing's going to happen between now and the start of the season for that to be affected. Uh, we're most interested in what happens at that wide receiver wide receiver three spot or just the third guy that's going to come out there, technically the third or fourth guy, depending on what the situation may be. The candidates – Ola B.C. Johnson, Chad Beebe, of course, who we just went over, D.D. Westbrook. You've also got second-year guy K.J. Osborne, who was, you know, I guess drafted more to be a return guy but did not do so well as a return Mm -hmm. guy last year. Uh, You've also got, you know, the the rookie from Iowa that Drew just mentioned, Amir uh, Smith-Marset, and a couple other undrafted free agents as well, and then Dan Chisna, who I – don't really have much hope for as a wide receiver at the NFL level, but great special teams player. So those are your candidates. Um, I think there is a new clear cut favorite, assuming DD Westbrook is able to memorize the playbook. Uh, Do BC Johnson or Chad Beebe have a shot here? I think, I think there's a a rumor floating around that Chad Beebe had unfollowed the Vikings on Instagram and done this 
whole oh yeah thing. yeah 2021 does he have a right to like be upset happen. does he have a right no. to be upset because does he even have a chance now well like, like is it over? it'd be one thing if he had established himself and had been you know kirk's go-to like security blanket for the last couple of years on whatever like but that's not what he's been and so it's you know i, I think especially now that dd's in there he can play slot but also he can play outside bc can go outside too i really think this is the the advantage goes to bc for having the shot the fourth spot even too and so from there you know then after that like i i I really kind of see some sort of um high ceiling low floor type value for emir smith marset where he could really boom um but he also may not turn into much like i mean it's one of those kind of boomer bust guys uh, so I think the Vikings from that sense will just have to keep him to kind of see what he can do. And at that point, it becomes a numbers game, I think, for BB, where if the Vikings want to keep six, they want to keep five. Um, receivers, who's, who knows exactly? And also could be a special teams thing, too, because Chad B might need to play a special teams. You got, also, you mentioned Dan Chizina, who played special teams last year, KJ Osborne, return guy. So there's going to be a familiar name from last year's roster. Chizina, Osborne, or BB, one of those three for sure. Maybe multiple of those names will not be on the roster next year or all this coming year. I mean, how many can you really keep? We've seen the Vikings in recent history only keeping five receivers. We have seen them, at least since you and I have started, you know, I guess, quote, covering this team. Um, we've seen them go up to seven before. I don't think they're going anywhere close to that being a run first team and probably keeping run th- three running backs once again. So I think five wide receivers is probably the number to set. Um, of course, you know, you're going to have Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen up top. D.D. Westbrook is going to make the roster barring some kind of crazy incident. That gives yeah. you three. That's two spots left there. I think the point that you're making with B.C. Johnson versus Chad Beebe is important here because the flexibility that B.C. Johnson offers or just the ability to play that X or that flanker role on the outside gives him more value on this roster because you have so many guys that have the flexibility to go into the slot. You don't need a niche role guy like Chad Beebe to play the slot. This isn't the Bills where you directly need to have Cole Beasley as your slot guy. The Vikings can put in basically anyone in their top three into that slot position, and you can feel good about that. Not just comfortable, good. Like Adam Thielen is a straight-up mismatch for most players. He showed that mostly in 2019. Justin Jefferson, hell, most analysts didn't think he was even going to be an outside wide receiver. They were all wrong. Co- he was played a ton of slot in college, and exactly. that's, people were like, oh, can he play outside? And I think he kind of I think he kind of proved, proved everyone wrong in about a year, right? <laughs> or not even, probably like six games. But my point being here is that you have so much flexibility in your main prime three guys. There's no purpose for a Chad Beebe really anymore. I don't think. Unless he's returning punts, which I think D.D. Westbrook is going to be returning punts now. Unless he's the starting slot guy and he's blowing everyone away. Like he's the definitive best route runner outside of Jefferson and Thielen. Like he knows the playbook the best. I don't see a way for him to make the roster anymore because D.D. Westbrook can do everything he can and more at a higher level her a high, higher ceiling, I should say, assuming mm-hmm. he comes back to play the same way he was when he was in Jacksonville pre-injury. Right. And, and, you know, there's, I mean, it sucks for him because like, you know, he, he's coming into camp and whether we like it or not, like that was as, I mean, he had a really good opportunity to be a wide receiver three in the NFL. Um, but he didn't have, I mean, he just didn't establish himself as, that opportunity earning that opportunity prior to this year so uh, it's i mean i have no 
qualms with the decision. I'm glad they finally addressed their position because, as you said, I've been harping on that for the entire offseason for sure, that the Vikings needed to have somebody they could rely on a little bit outside of Jefferson and Thielen. And, you know, again, I, I don't think besides, you know, if you were to rank the receiver groups from kind of, you know, after the guy at the top two receivers on a team, mm-hmm. I don't think the Vikings are that high still. Um, but I, I think this really helps them and probably brings them out of the bottom dwelling uh, rankings in there. So I like the move. It's a simple move and it's also really cost effective because I don't think it was, it was very, very close to the vet minimum for a year. So no reason to, just like that at all. And then, I mean, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I don't see, you know, and there is training camp yet to be had. Um, I don't want to dismiss training camp or, you know, dismiss the idea that BB could really have a productive camp and, and earn his way onto this team. But I, I, right now I think he's on the outside looking in. The route to getting back in is also super difficult now. I think, um, like I just said, so if the Vikings keep five receivers, right, these are my five Jefferson Thielen, DD Westbrook, of course, who just got added. BC Johnson and probably Amir Smith Marset because I don't yep. think he's clearing through waivers if you're trying to put Smith Marset back onto your uh, practice squad. I don't see that happening because right. I think barring something nuts, he's going to have a really good camp and he's going to put good tape up there where someone's going to want he's gonna, him. He's going to be that guy too that makes enough splash plays where people notice. I think he's like a Jarius Wright. That's kind of what I see, sort of. Um, I don't necessarily know if that's the ceiling or the floor, but that's kind of what I see from watching Amir Smith-Marset, and that's a rosterable player. So if you're keeping five, all of a sudden now, maybe you keep six to keep, what, Chizina on the team as a right. special teams guy. I think you put K.J. Osborne then on your practice squad. I think he clears through waivers if you re- if you release him and try to re-add him. So really, I don't think, and someone can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think Chad Beebe has practice squad eligibility left. So he's kind of shit out of luck in this situation. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Now, I can't, again, I'm with you. I'm not, I can't confirm that. I know they may be expanded. They certainly expanded the eligibility last year. Right. And if that, that may, might carry into this year, it might not. They may have modified it, but um, it's, I, I do think his, his job, at least as a, you know, wide receiver on the 53 man roster, I think that's certainly in jeopardy right now. Absolutely. All right. So let's move on from wide receiver here. Uh, I think it's pretty clear cut that both of us stand that. Westbrook's going to be that wide receiver three. A lot, of course, you know, a lot can change in a day. Yeah, this discussion and, was going to get more interesting um, yeah, as we had planned it, but then D.U. Westbrook signed, and it's kind of – I mean, we, it's already set in stone, it seems like. It definitely seems that way. So, and barring something crazy, that's what's going to happen probably. Uh, but there are some more interesting offensive positions here to take a look at. Um, offensive line, of course, is one that we, you know, naturally want to highlight. You know, the the main camp battles here are between the rookies and the veterans, right? Uh you know, left tackle is going to be somewhat some between Christian Derrissaw and likely Rashad Hill, I imagine. Uh, you also have in the, at the interior spot at right guard, Dakota Dozier is the incumbent. If you yeah. want, if you, you can, I like the term. I mean, that's, that. that's an accurate term, you know. It's the most accurate term I can use to describe him, to be honest with you. And then Wyatt Davis, the third round guard out of Ohio State. I think those are the two primary kind of uh, camp battles to look at along the offensive line. Of course, there are a few th- other things that could shake out, but I said, I tend to believe Ezra Cleveland already has his spot locked up. Ryan O'Neill, of course, uh, and then Garrett Bradbury by seniority. I think it's a start as well. So to me, those are your two main mm-hmm. spots, that right guard spot with Wyatt Davis, you know, a- attempting to fight his way into that role. And then Christian Darris saw the first round pick who I think, you know, in theory, you think is a first round pick might have, more leverage 
to end up in that starting role week one, but we've seen what Mike Zimmer has done in terms of his approach. Like, I think this is important because while Derisaw and Davis as well, I think are probably your two best players at those, at their respective positions in terms of overall value, talent, that type of thing. They don't have the seniority that Mike Zimmer loves with regard to starting week one in September. Right. And that's the the question I was going to bring up is Zimmer likes to kind of most of the time he brings it along, along the rookies a little slow. Um, and so, you know, I think, you know, I'm just expecting the first, you know, camp practice, right. When the media gets in there and they can see the depth chart and everything and they start reporting it, it's going to say Rashad Hill left tackle number one and Dara saw left tackle number two and then vice versa, or right. well, the same for uh, right guard. You're going to have Dozier at starting right guard followed by Wyatt Davis and you know people might freak out and think well what, what's going on but that's pretty standard that's probably what I'm expecting now I do think I I do think Darius I will end up starting week one uh, I'm a little bit more unsure about Davis but um, those guys certainly will get their shot to earn it um, in camp and in preseason just because of well the I mean that's let's face it the offensive line is, is pretty poor last year Rashad Hilfer is you know, he's a pretty darn solid swing tackle. Like you get you, you yeah. know, one of your tackles goes down. The fact that he can come in and play the position is awesome. And it's nice to have, um, don't like him as a starting left tackle for this no. team. We saw, and we saw a glimpse of what that looks same like. Same for Dakota Dozier. So, um, I guess, I mean, these aren't really dramatic battles per se, because I'm agreeing with you that I think Cleveland's got left guard set, uh, finalized pretty much, uh, Bradbury at center O'Neal at right tackle. He'll be he might get an extension for, um, season starts. So, uh, I just, it's really just those two positions that uh, I think could be interesting here. But again, I still favored both the rookies to end up as the starters during the season. I, I tend to kind of lean in agreement with you that Darisaw is probably your week one starter. I just think the level of ability will come out immediately. Yeah. Right. Like you're going to see just the differential in terms of the ceiling from Darisaw to Hill immediately. We know who Rashad Hill is, and he is exactly as you described, an excellent swing tackle that you can slot in there if needed. He has been one of the most consistent players in terms of getting thrown, like thrust into a bad situation and giving you good reps. Uh, he's done that for, what, it's, it's been, been five, like five years year, now? Yeah, I think, like it's five, five years I think it's five years. And he's he's, he's never like – like so a guy like that that just comes in off a practice squad um, and – you know, it, it's it's it is actually admirable to come in and not be. I don't want to say this and make it sound like every offensive lineman's bad, but like come in and, and hold your own uh, is, is impressive, uh, especially when things are moving around and you don't really know what position you're going to go into on game day if you're going to go in at all. And he goes in there, he 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 fights like hell, and he you know holds his own, which is which is admirable, I think. So, but with that said, Darisaw is my starting left tackle. The thing is too with this guy is that with Rashad Hill is most people don't even notice the, the good traits that he does have because you only notice offensive line play typically. And this has changed in the recent years with the Vikings because of how much of an influence offensive line play has had in the result of the team's season. But you really only notice offensive line play when someone sucks. And so you barely even notice the 15 or 20 snaps that Rashad Hill comes in, plays very well, doesn't allow any pressures, doesn't allow a sack, any of those, you know, bad plays that would would honestly probably get him recognized a lot easier that's why you don't know or maybe if you do you know that he's kind of a bit of a sleeper but he's not really he's still not a starter and so that makes it 
taking away the ability to slot in Rashad Hill whenever you need him most also hinders his ability to become a starter on this team because you know the value he brings as a swing tackle. Like if Derisaw gets hurt, you know you can put Rashad Hill in there. You don't know the, on the vice versa, right? If Rashad Hill gets hurt and he's your, you know, in theory, your, your best player and you have to throw a rookie in there that you're not totally confident in, that formula all of a sudden doesn't work as well. I think the inverse is a better option. Go go with Derisaw from the start. See what the yeah. guy's got. You just spent the first-round pick on him. You obviously feel good about his situation and his ability to work on this team. You have to give him the opportunity yeah. from the start, whereas with Wyatt Davis, it's kind of the flip, where it's like you don't have as much confidence based off draft position, uh, based off of, you know, I guess just inherent value of the player position. You don't have as much, you don't need to throw Wyatt Davis in there as much. You right. you need to have success at the left tackle position. Otherwise, Kirk Cousins is just going to continue to get sit pressure too hard and the offense isn't going to go anywhere. Well, I just think with Darisaw, he, yeah, I think the point you made about spending a first round pick, see what he's got, you know. Um, what's the, there's, there's really no reason not to throw him in right away. So, a guard is one thing because we talked about how guard I have very little like, you know, I don't put a lot of value at the guard position. Um, so I'm not going to be too concerned with what the Vikings do there. But at left tackle, you know, the guy you drafted first round, you got to you got to give him that chance early on. I think. Last question here, and then we'll dive into a bit of Aaron Rodgers and then get out of here. But you know, we just we brought up Mike Zimmer's tendency to sit rookies, whether that's Stephon Diggs for probably too long or. You know, name Jefferson. Jefferson probably too long. I mean, pick your guy, right? There's been plenty of them since Zimmer arrived in 2014, where it kind of feels like he didn't put him in early enough. Is it right? Are we fair to criticize him for that, or should we just be like, all right, the coach knows what he's doing; he knows when to play him? Well, because uh, on the other side, it's like Laquan Treadwell, you know, um, where he should have never been playing at all. You know, <laughs> like there are guys. Yeah. I mean, it's so I get the hesitation in some respects, but. Um, I mean, it is tough though, because like when you when you have a superstar, you don't really know it until you find out. But if you have a complete bust, you also don't know until you find out. So, it's uh, right. I get the hesitation, and if you're comfortable with the guys that you're playing, that's fine. But in a way, like you have to get Justin Jefferson in your week one lineup heavily. You have to get Stefan Diggs in your rotation, dressing on Sundays sooner than week five or whatever it was that year. Right. So. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just – I think especially if you draft him that high like as Derisaw, you got to get him in the game. You know, I mean, it's one thing if it's a fourth, fifth, sixth right. round pick. A little different situation you, with Derisaw. That's why I think this if is you a fair spend, If you spend a first rounder on a guy, give him the chance early and often, I think. Okay, last thing here. So Brian O'Neill, of course, is the Vikings' right tackle. He's been a stable force, all-pro caliber player. There have been – rumors, uh, discussions, online discussions, I should say, like Reddit discussions about moving Brian O'Neill to left tackle. Uh, that would throw a wrench into basically this entire discussion. Uh, are these you know, are the, are these conversations happening post-drafting Derisaw? I think to a degree because then you, you, know, there, you see flipping Brian O'Neill to left tackle, having him be your guy at left tackle long-term, and then having Christian Derisaw being your road grader right tackle that's essentially going to fill your fill load hold role. A guy that could obviously play, you know, left tackle at a high level as well, but maybe he's better suited based yeah. off of his talent or what have you. I mean, I don't, 
know a whole ton about offensive line, you know, fundamentals and things like that. But I mean, I ha- I keep Brian O'Neill at right tackle, especially now that you're gonna. I think that's ex- the whole discussion right there. To be honest with you, like, is it does it make more sense to keep a guy who's had a ton of success at right tackle? I'd say keep at him the same there. spot, or do you challenge him and say, okay, maybe this guy could be what we thought Matt Khalil was going to be. And you're, I mean, you're, there is that possibility, but I think that gamble, very, at the very the risk, the very least you see what Darius has. Um, you, you, you know, you don't want to draft your franchise left tackle or a guy that could be that. And then kind of throw that away, put O'Neill in there and, you know, things could crumble on that. You know, you want to see if Darius can be that guy first, I think. Um, and then maybe down the road, you know, you, you can maybe try O'Neill out there. If it, if it gets to that point, if Darius doesn't work out. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. I I am under the belief that O'Neal's played so good at right tackle, you just have to keep him there long term because he's proved it time and time again now that he is a NFL caliber all pro level tackle um, at on the right side for sure. You know that it, it's a it, it's like, why would you give that up? Why risk it? Why risk it when you think you might have a left tackle in Christian Terrace? You don't know. Why risk it before you don't know? Right. So I'm with you. I think that that discussion is ridiculous. Um, and that's kind of, I guess that's kind of the internet for you. But um, okay. So last piece here. I think that about rounds out the offense. I don't think that there's anything, you know, maybe back end wide receivers. I mean, Kirk Excuse Cousins me. will be your quarterback. Dalvin yeah. Cook will be your running back. Tight end's going to be Irv Smith, Tyler Conklin. I mean, there's, there's nothing else to discuss. Yeah. Back end running back three between Amir Abdullah and uh, Kenny Ngawu. I probably butchered that name. Sorry. I think you did. Yeah, that's not that's not good. That's I, hopefully he gets cut. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> um, okay, let's talk about Aaron Rodgers briefly because this saga is reaching its climax and uh, super entertaining from a Vikings fan standpoint. So oh. I think that you guys. Well, it's will it's love sad that we're gonna kind of have to end the whole all the kind of jokes and, and memes and and stuff about. Gosh, well, it's a shame, you know. Rogers might not come back, you know. But I think it's cool. So the the official report, I believe, was that he and the Packers sort of reached or almost reached an agreement to, uh, you know, have him come back this year and essentially give him that opportunity to leave after 2021. And it's along it's worded a bunch of different ways based on whoever your insider is, but essentially they're going to review it after next year. They're going to kind of void 2023 in the contract. 2022 is going to be an opportunity for him to be sort of traded somewhere else wherever he wants to, or if he actually ends up liking green Bay more, he can stay and play out that 2022 season. So I think I also saw something about uh, this started. They kind of came together and they agree on something once Rogers demanded Randall Cobb get traded for. And I saw his name in there. Like, I don't know what's all going on, but, and you know, in a way it's sad that, you know, Rogers is going to play for the Packers this year, but also it's like in a way, there's an end in sight for Vikings fans where the Packers don't have a Hall of Fame quarterback on the roster, you know, to play. Against. Doesn't seem so like, like it. I'm very confident in that they don't. Yeah. There's an end in sight, you know, that okay, and maybe it's next year, it's the year after that. Finally the Packers might have some struggles at the quarterback position and we'll finally get to watch that unfold. Okay, so a couple things. Short term kind of sucks because he's gonna be really good this year. And that's gonna be Yeah. I mean it's gonna I was okay. I never actually kind of. I don't think I did either. But like, but that, it was a possibility yeah. 24 hours ago. It's not really a possibility anymore. I wanted that dream, because I'm I'm nervous. I'm very much concerned that he's going to max out this year for sure. 
Oh, he should, and he will. I mean, he's the type of guy who is going to love walking away from the Packers, and he definitely wants to walk away as like a Super Bowl champion. So he's going to bring his A game. You know the same thing's going to happen from Devontae Adams because it sounds like Devontae true. Adams is going to play one year, try to max out his ability to make sure that he can get the optimal results in the free agent market, and then he'll probably go sign with Oakland and play with his best buddy Derek Carr. And then Aaron Rodgers will move on, go do his thing, and the Packers will be, in theory, bleeding, right? But that's your long-term reality. In the short term, you have to be, you know, a little bit concerned. But the long-term you to, reality, I mean, if you're a, if you're a patient Vikings fan, this is a good thing. This is a great thing, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. If you're a patient Vikings fan, you understand probably, and I really think this is a fair take. The Super Bowl window is not open right now. It might be open starting next year. If you can do a couple things right, if a couple things go the right way, if Derisaw turns into an all pro, I mean, if Kirk Cousins leaves and Kellen Mond turns really good, you know, there's a lot of things that can happen. That last, that last if was just massive. Like, <laughs> if like, that slowly got if, bigger. Like, if, if Derisaw becomes an all pro, if right. Cousins leaves and Mond becomes good. I mean, I think it's to a degree, it's fair because you're, I, I just, I don't think the Vikings are a Super Bowl contender right now, but they could no. be very, very soon if a couple things go the right way it could also just be Kirk Cousins is really really good all of a sudden I don't know I'm just saying I have seen Kirk Cousins I tend to think that well, here's the deal we, here's what we know Vikings the rule window right now probably not open okay so right. thank you the fact that you know if the Packers have Rodgers who cares right because sure. it's to me it's not affecting the Vikings chances really one way or the other yeah they might have a better chance to win the division but they're not doing anything in the playoffs with this team if they go nine and eight and win the NFC North, right? But the Packers, if they have Rodgers, they can win the North. Vikings don't have to deal with playoffs. Packers can go in and lose another NFC Championship game. Fine by me. Um, end of the day, uh, I think it's it's good to know that there's an end in sight, and it seems clear too still, which is entertaining for me, that Packers are were not able to satisfy Rodgers completely. Like he's coming back because ultimately they didn't budge. They just like weren't gonna make him happy. It got to a point of like, like too much pride on either side. Where like, the Packers didn't want to give Rodgers the satisfaction of demanding his way out. And so, instead of the Packers potentially maximizing trade value, instead they're like, you know what? No, we will make you stay here for a year. And they came to that agreement last minute. So, um, I don't know. Whatever. It's this is kind of the conclusion everybody sort of expected. But at the end of the day, there's an end in sight for the Packers having an elite quarterback there to, to, you know, pick apart the Vikings. And I'm glad that that's finally coming to an end here in the next couple of years. I'm going to knock on wood with that because one thing that condition in Aaron Rodgers's updated contract that says he has the opportunity to play for quote, who he wants after the 2021 season. That includes the Green Bay Packers, by the way. Don't think that the Packers aren't going to oh, try I, to connive their way into making Rodgers stay. And I know you're not saying that, but I'm saying I kind of want to knock on wood here because what happens if the Packers go 7-10, and 10, blow up, have to blow up the team, then you fire Gutenkunst or Gutenkeist or however you pronounce his last name and effectively get rid of the problem, and now you get – Rodgers for four or five more years. Like, you want him to play well, I think, this year. Show up the Green Bay front office See, and basically give a big middle finger and say, I'm out. What I want is the Packers to be, like, a 10-win team, like a 9- or 10-win team, where they're like, 
like it's obviously a disappointment for the last couple of years, but like it's not enough to fire or blame the GM, you know, and get him get rid of his job. Then I think Rodgers is like, yeah, I'm done. Like a 10 or 11 to win team. Yeah, I think the Vikings can compete with that too. Like, what if they? What if they're a nine or ten win team? They win the North, but they lose to the Vikings twice. Like, well, that would be awesome. Like that would. I know that's what I'm saying. Like, I ultimately, I think you're right. For the patient Vikings, but this is a good way to end that show. For the patient Vikings fan, this is a good thing because yes. the end is near. Hopefully, it seems that way, and yes. it also seems like the Vikings are moving in the right direction. At least, the, you know, the last few moves that they've made. Um, I feel comfortable with the guys that they've drafted recently. You know, I think the Vikings are trending up. Packers are trending down. And from my vantage point, that's a good thing. I think that's a good place to end this show. So uh, any final thoughts before we get out of here? I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, I mean, we got training camp fighting started here. It's kind of weird. We're already in football season. Uh, it's kind of, it's exciting, but it's weird. I don't know. I did see something that uh, I did want to point this out. So, Mad ratings came out, right? Oh, yeah. Or the receiver ones. They didn't have Justin Jefferson in the top ten. And it's now just as apparently there's a big rivalry going on between the Chargers Twitter and Vikings Twitter because of the whole funny. Yeah. Justin Herbert thing last winter with the rookie of the year award and now um Chargers Twitter account of the official one was gloating about Keenan Allen's receiver rating being higher than Justin Jefferson's and so it's funny to uh, watch that all unfold, even though ultimately mad ratings are quite possibly the farthest thing from an indicator of how good a player is. So interesting. It's pretty funny though. Yeah. And I, I do love the Chargers Twitter account. I wish they didn't have a vendetta against the Vikings because they're, they're social. Well, their media best tweet hilarious. was from 2007 when it was the PF Changs or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> That's the best one. They still have it up. It's great. All right, then. Well, um, I'm excited for fans, by the way. Um, small little piece there that next year we're going to, the Vikings are going to have fans in their stadium again. And just even from a TV standpoint, like I'm just excited for yes. that. So it's, it's uh, it's nice to have this thing coming up. Uh, we'll continue on with this discussion about training camp and so forth as we lead up into the season. Uh, that'll be the game plan moving forward here. Uh, as far as where you can find us, iTunes, Stitcher, Google play, Spotify, wherever else you listen to your podcast. If you prefer to watch the show, Drew and I are available on YouTube. That being said, I look terrible today because I'm sick and my voice is awful as well. So thank you for fighting through this with me. Um, check us out on Daily Norseman as well. The rest of the Climbing the Pocket team is we're currently putting together a content schedule for uh, the entire season right now. And it sounds like we're going to have stuff dropping every single day of the week. So keep an eye out for that. Um, check us out. Yeah, like I said on Daily Norseman, I read the comment section. I was talking with a couple of you guys on the last show. Seemed like you guys didn't like that one. Hopefully this one was better. Um, we're always trying to improve. Hey, I don't take any of that hey. stuff personally. I think it's. I, I, uh, I brushed up on the law of averages just for those comments. <laughs> I, thank God. I think our audience would appreciate that. So as always, guys, so we're just joking. Thank you for thank you for joining us. Uh, we appreciate you taking the time to listen to our show. And uh, we will catch you next week. Oh.